Welcome to Life Without Secrets. Do you often find yourself comparing your life to your friends on social media? You see the glamour, the success, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the awesome vacations. But what's really behind the highlight reel? In Life Without Secrets, we are going to dive deep and reveal the secrets, struggles, and strategies people have used in real life to get to who they are now and who they are becoming. Because the truth is, nobody is perfect, and you are never alone in what you're going through. So don't forget to subscribe to the show, because it's time to connect on a deeper level and grow together. Today, we are going to learn and grow together. Lauren Zuler is on the show with us today, and we are going to be talking about somatic experiencing and how this can impact the relationship with ourselves and others. Lauren is a speaker, author, podcaster, and founder of the Aligned Love Experience. She is an expert practitioner in reparenting, generational healing, and somatic experiencing. And she is also a certified dating and relationship coach from which her insights have been featured on media outlets like the Drew Barrymore Show and the New York Post. So welcome to the show, Lauren. I'm so excited to have you here with us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I would totally love if you would give our audience some time to just get to know you. So can you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got to this point where you're a very well-known dating and relationship coach? I mean, I've seen you all over um, and you're just teaching thousands of men and women how to heal from past trauma and take ownership of their future. So tell us about you. Whenever I tell this story, it's interesting because I could go all the way back to the beginning, but we would be here for such a long time with everything that I've uncovered since childhood. But for the sake of just talking about how I got to this space where I'm now teaching men and women how to find and keep healthy love, I love to take people back to the beginning of my coaching practice because I started coaching about eight and a half years ago. And if you followed me on social, it looked like I was living the epitome of a highlight reel. (laughs) Mm, like so many of us. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was just living this dream life. It looked like I had a successful business at that time. I was teaching other coaches and consultants how to launch and scale their online businesses. So I was a business coach at the time. I was also traveling the world with my so-called friends. I like to, to say friends in air quotes because they weren't really friends. They were just playmates. They were people to have fun with. And I even had my own real life version of a Kindle by my side. I was dating this beautiful man who I live in Nashville. He was really well known in Nashville. Everybody knew him. And so if you followed me on socials at that time, it looked like I was living an incredible life. And it's important to note that during that time, I was doing what we as successful people are all taught to do. If you've been in a mastermind, if you've had a coach, if you've been to therapy, you're taught to do these things. Okay. I was reading one personal development book per month. I had a kick ass morning routine. I was getting up super early, doing all my affirmations, meditating. I had an entire team of coaches and therapists who were helping me become a better human. I was doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing. One morning, it was a Wednesday morning, and we'll never forget this. About five years ago, I was standing in front of the mirror reciting my morning affirmations and I felt a pit in my stomach. Something just didn't feel right. 
And I looked down at my phone and I had several missed calls from my boyfriend at the time from his mom. So I picked up the phone, I called her back and she was calling to let me know that my perfect Ken doll boyfriend had checked himself into rehab for the sixth time that year. Nobody saw that. Nobody knew that. But that was only call number one that day. <laughs> a few hours later, I received another call. This time it was from my accountant letting me know that my seemingly booming business was 30K in the red. And he had no idea how we were going to pull ourselves out of the hole. So two calls, less than 24 hours, wasn't feeling the best. And then the third call came and the third call came like, it came in like a freight train. This one was from my doctor calling to let me know that a biopsy that I had taken earlier that week had come back as potential cancer. So in less than 24 hours, this complete facade that I had built for myself came crashing down. And I was so distraught and I was so defeated because I was doing all of the things that we are taught to do, right? Like I was, I had the incredible morning routine. I had all of the coaches. I had all the therapists. I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. And my life was a train wreck, an absolute train wreck. So it was in that moment that I had to get really honest with myself. And I had a girlfriend at the time who was working with a somatic practitioner who said to me, you know, maybe all this mindset work that you're doing, maybe all of these things that you're trying to do to achieve this perfect life, maybe there's something deeper that you're not seeing. And so that was my first introduction into nervous system work. And I started studying it and I became a student of it. I ended up falling in love with understanding the nervous system and understanding how this truly is the missing piece to our healing. And the result of seeing a somatic practitioner was that I let go of the guy that was the alcoholic. I, what I left out of that story is he was the fourth alcoholic in a row that I had dated. So this was a pattern. Were you a fixer? I, yeah, I had insane, insane savior complex. Right? I felt like and I talk about this often, if you follow me and you see me speak on stage, that at a very young age, I was taught that your happiness and your worth and your ability to receive love comes from taking care of other people first. So I was repeating that pattern in my adult relationships. But the result of doing the nervous system work and being able to heal those patterns on a nervous system level, on a somatic level, I found my first healthy partnership at 30 years old. I took my business from 30K in the red to making 30K in one month. And I eradicated my cancer scare. And the best part is that I realigned and I said, wait a second, I've got to teach people this. This is what actual healing looks like. This is what elicits results. It's not all the mindset work out there. It's not all of the verbal processing that you're doing with your therapist that's keeping you in a cycle. So that is how I realigned and decided this is how I need to help support men and women to find healthy love and a life that they truly love to wake up to every day. That is so amazing. And we're most equipped to help the person we once were. So that's such a beautiful story. And it really just gives like a people feel seen, right? Like I feel like knowing your story makes me feel like 
I can go to you and you can see me like if I've struggled with that same thing, right? So I think that is just such a beautiful place to be. Can for other people that maybe unsure haven't heard of somatic therapy before, can you just kind of start by explaining what that actually looks like or what it is? Yeah. So somatic experiencing, sometimes referred to as somatic therapy, is therapy of the nervous system. So it's understanding how your nervous system responds in a moment-to-moment basis and specifically how it responds in relationship to your triggers. So there are so many, and here's an example that I give people all the time because they can usually wrap their head around this. There are so many people out there who come into my practice and they can look at me and tell me that someone is horrible for them. They can be like, gosh, I know that this guy is bad news. Or I know that this girl is bad news. I know that I'm repeating a pattern, right? But Friday night rolls around and that person gets lonely. And next thing you know, Saturday morning, they wake up in his or her bed. In that moment, this is the best way that I like to describe somatic experiencing. In that moment, even though your brain cognitively knows that this person is bad for you, your nervous system feels unsafe. It feels like, yeah, but I need this person to validate my existence because I need to feel loved. I need to feel accepted. And so your nervous system goes into survival. It overrides your brain and it rushes you to that person. What somatic experiencing does is it goes into that nervous system response and it allows you to renegotiate that trauma response so that you can actually find safety in that moment versus going into flight, which is a survival response, and running to that man or woman to fill a void. And that void is only going to last, like the the filling of that void is only going to last, I don't know, maybe until the afternoon. And then you got to go find it somewhere else again. Okay. And is this something that people need to do once they learn somatic experiencing? Is this something that they need to like tap into? Because I I feel like when you have a pattern, you're just keep repeating it, whether it's the same guy that you're going to, or like I'm thinking of it too, like in a marriage, like, you know, for a long time, my husband and I, we'd call it the crazy cycle. And it was kind of like what you're talking about as well, but like in the same relationship. So Is this something that like we learn and then we have to like learn to tap into? So it's not really a tapping into because you are renegotiating when you work with a trained SEP. So this is what's hard, right? Let me me back up. Most of us aren't aware of the survival response that we're in when we're in it because none of us have actually learned the language of the nervous system. The nervous system doesn't speak in cognitive story. So that story that you've been calling your best friend about your husband, like it drives me absolutely crazy when he does not unload the dishwasher and I scream at him every night. I just don't understand why he doesn't get it. That story that you keep talking about that you're frustrated about and how you keep screaming at him and nothing's happening. Your nervous system doesn't speak in that language. Your nervous system speaks in sensation and emotion. So oftentimes when we don't know that we're in a survival response, because we don't, we don't know the sensations and the emotions associated with survival responses, it can feel like we're stuck. So working with an SEP or doing the work to truly understand the language of your nervous system 
can help you when you rub up against a trigger that you've experienced in the past. And you can say, wait a second, I'm feeling these sensations. I'm feeling these emotions. What can I do right now in this moment to regulate myself? How can I find safety here so that I don't do what I've always done and yell at my husband for not unloading the dishwasher? Right? So you don't really tap into it. It's more of a learning. Okay. It's a learned process. If I was in that moment, right, and I am feeling triggered, what is a somatic exercise, maybe an example of what I can do to become more aware of my body and its reactions? So when you're in a survival response, what that means is that your body is not, it's not really present. It doesn't have access to safety in that moment. So if you can, if you have the awareness to know that you're feeling triggered, the best thing to do is to bring your awareness to something in your presence. So I always like to tell people, can you feel your feet on the floor? Talk to me about your feet on the floor. What do you notice about your feet on the floor? Right? Can you feel your butt in the chair? What do you notice about your butt in the chair? Tell me about it. Like, does it have, does that sensation have any sort of weight? Does it have a texture? Does it have a color? Tell me about it. What it does is it takes your body out of that survival response, which there's four survival responses, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, takes you out of that and brings you back down into, oh, wait a second. I'm safe. There's actually not a bear in this room. Nobody's going to kill me. (laughs) I can feel my butt in the chair. I can feel my feet on the floor. I'm going to focus on this for a moment so I can allow my system to deactivate, right? And it's, I'll, I'll say this too, becoming a somatic practitioner, it's a very long process to do so. We spend four years in intensive training, learning how to help our clients access safety and renegotiate trauma responses. So there's so many people out there that say that they incorporate somatic principles into their coaching and therapy practices. And truly the best way to renegotiate trauma is to actually work with an SEP and do SE in a one-on-one session. Because it sounds like it is such a process, right? So it's like a ongoing, and is this something that you do like in person or do people do it over Zoom? How does this work? We do it all over Zoom. So all of my clients are virtual, which is really beautiful. And it's not, I don't, you know, there's a stigma out there with therapy. I truly don't think that you should have a therapist for the rest of your life. I think that is a conditioned response that a lot of us have been taught to believe. I believe that in in somatic experiencing and somatic therapy is the same way. When you are in a feedback loop, a trauma feedback loop that you cannot get out of, working with a trained therapist and a trained SEP to help you renegotiate that trauma response should leave you at some point walking out of their office saying, I feel good. I've navigated that. Right. And then maybe something happens two years down the road and you're like, oh my gosh, this just resurfaced and I need to do this again. But my programs, whether you're working with me one-on-one or you're in my collective program, we're working with your nervous system and we're helping you access safety in that moment. But we're also giving you some tools so that you can tackle it down the line, but you may need us again in two years. Something new comes up. So how can we become more aware or maybe how can we set boundaries in relationships so that we can feel safe to even address them? There's a little bit of a deeper answer to this. 
Because if using your voice doesn't feel safe, then you're not going to be able to set boundaries because boundaries is going to feel unsafe. This is where survival responses come in. So what really needs to happen is you need to start to look at what's called the fun survival response in your nervous system, which is that, and I'll tell you this, 99% of women on the planet fawn, it's like their middle name. The fawn survival response is a parasympathetic response that easily put as people pleasing. So when you go into people pleasing, your nervous system reacts to keep you safe. The fawn survival response is a trauma response. And what happens from a sensation level is that your blood rushes from your extremities into your vital organs. Your heart rate starts to slow down. You freeze. And next thing you know, you start to speak in a way that's not your truth, just so that someone else will accept you. This is a survival response. It's a trauma response. If you do not work to regulate that response in your body first, and you don't work to regulate the fawn response, you won't be able to set a boundary because it doesn't feel safe to your body. You have to do that first. You've got to work on those people-pleasing survival responses first. And then you start to set boundaries. Sometimes, like for me, it was even in childhood, this was like earning your love kind of. Is that kind of how it starts sometimes? If we're looking at the the core wound of, of a child who achieves to receive love, they were taught at a young age that I'm not enough to just be. So if I get straight A's or if I win this dance tournament or whatever it is, then mom and dad will accept me. And, and most of the time, our parents actually encourage that behavior. So at a young age, we were taught that in order to survive, we need to achieve. We need to people please our parents to receive love. That's the pattern. Until we work to regulate that, we will set bound what I, what I call empty boundaries. We'll set empty boundaries. We'll set a boundary, but the moment someone crosses it, we're like, oh no, it's okay. It's fine. It's good. Right? I have so many clients that will date somebody and they'll send a text. I'm done. Please do not contact me anymore. And then 10 minutes later, they're contacting that person. I'm like, wait a second. This boundary that you just set wasn't a boundary. It was an empty boundary because you're not a abiding by the boundary you set. And if this person reaches out to you, you're not able to stand in your worth and say, no, I set a boundary here. I'm not going to tolerate this behavior. But what I want everyone to truly understand is that at a young age, if you learn to receive love and survive by people pleasing, your, bo your body did something brilliant. Like it did that to keep you safe. You needed to receive love. Children need love. So it did that and your body does this automatically. But what happens is that as you become an adult, it's not serving you anymore. Right? You don't need to people please anymore. You can take care of yourself. But because your nervous system only learned that way as a little kid, until you teach it a new baseline of safety, it's going to continue to repeat the same patterns. Do you feel like that is a reason why a lot of people get in relationships and they're like on their best behavior, right? Like I feel like in the beginning stages of a relationship, we're always trying to like please that other person. 
do the things that we think they want us to do or be who we think they want us to be. And then, you know, year down the road or two years down the road when you get comfortable, it's like, who is this person now? Yeah, I, I definitely do. When we're talking about, and I always say in relationships that every relationship is a mirror. Every dating situation is a mirror, right? The people that you are attracting into your life are a mirror of the way that you view yourself. They just are. So if you are with someone who's not authentic and not true, and that comes out a year down the line, chances are you're not really operating out of authenticity and truth either. Yeah, I see it all the time. And I believe that you can do the work to access safety and find security within partnership. I think it's a lot harder to do it within partnership than it is to do it outside, but I've seen it both ways. But yeah, I mean, I see that all the time because people haven't truly done the work to access security within their nervous system prior to meeting someone. The next thing you know, they're a year in and they're finding out all these things. And I always look at them and say, yeah, but where were you not being truthful? Where were you not being authentic? Because this is a reflection right now. So if somebody is dating, the first step sounds like do the work on yourself if you keep finding the same type of relationship over and over. Amen. Yes, exactly. I always say that success in your dating life, I always have people that want to blame it on the dating apps. It's like my, that's the excuse I get, you know, like the dating apps suck. There's nobody good. It has nothing to do with the dating apps. Nothing, right? It has nothing to do with the dating apps. It has nothing to do with the matchmaker that you've hired. It has everything to do with you and who you are being because your reality is a direct reflection of what's happening inside everything, the amount of money in your bank account, the level of your health, the deep connectedness of your relationships. It's all a reflection of how, how often you're operating out of survival versus safety and truly how you view yourself, how you love yourself, how you claim your inherent worth in the world. I've seen that a lot. And, you know, people that I know, you know, that have done, you know, the dating apps and it is it, and it becomes almost like a cycle, you know, and it, it's interesting. What should they do? Should they just take a time out from that? And, or can they be trying to date while working on themselves? What is the best way to approach that? We get that question all the time because when women join my program, they say, do I have to cease dating? Cause this is like a three month program. And And I always say, you need to do what feels best to you. But I will say this. If you know that what you're currently attracting is a reflection, do you want to date right now? That's always the question I ask. And it's hilarious to me because the women that do decide to keep dating, they realize it. They're like, oh my gosh, I have been attracting the same guy over and over again. And it was like the moment that I started to do the regulation work, all these healthy men started coming out of the woodwork, right? So you can choose. I mean, it's a great learning lesson as you're navigating that, but there's no right or wrong way to do it. I personally took a break. I had four alcoholics in a row. Come on. Like that's Wait, the pattern. I told my mom, I used to have a joke with my mom that if there was an alcoholic within a 10 mile radius, he would find his way to me. It was a joke, but it actually wasn't really a joke because it was so true. You get to decide. And every woman that I talk to, I don't understand why all these men keep ghosting me. 
Well, because you're not emotionally available yourself. So that's what you're calling in. Like attracts like. It's just the law of energetic frequency. Like, when are we going to start talking about the fact that it's that? This is the reason why dating apps are so successful because they prey on people that aren't doing the work. (laughs) So I have another question for you. We talk a lot about vulnerability on the podcast and how vulnerability is a way that we can develop deeper connections in our lives. And for those people that are listening that are maybe in a dating phase, what are your thoughts on vulnerability and dating? You have to be vulnerable in order to receive love. It just is what it is. Now, when it comes to dating, oftentimes (laughs) oversharing from the space of I'm being vulnerable can be a trauma response. So what I would ask is this, when you're sharing, you need vulnerability for relationships to work. They will not work without vulnerability. But if vulnerability, vulnerability is not rooted in safety, And it's not coming from a place of, I'm really sharing my heart right now, not because I need you to accept me or reject me, but because this is really my truth, then vulnerability will bring you closer to someone. However, if you're sharing vulnerably from the space of, I need you to accept me, or I need to overshare so this person will like run away from me so I don't have to tell them that I don't like them anymore, that's not actually vulnerability. (laughs) That's a trauma response and that's oversharing. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I think that that's something most people don't talk about. I do. And I see both, right? I, I see a lot of people that are holding back from their truth or it's complete opposite where they go on their first date and then they like literally vomit like their insecurities is almost really what it sounds like to me when they start saying it. And so I find it like there is, you know, you want to be vulnerable, but I like the way that you describe that. Like there's a difference between oversharing and just being vulnerable with somebody. Again, since we're talking about the nervous system, if you check into your body truly, and, and something that you said is really important, someone who's sharing from the space of vulnerability, it's almost like they're word vomiting. When you're word vomiting, you're speaking and guarantee your heart rate is lifted. Guarantee your palms are probably pretty sweaty. You may feel knots in your tummy. That's your body giving you the signal that your body is in flight. It's in a survival response. Whereas if you're sharing something vulnerably from the space of safety, you can probably feel your feet on the ground. You can probably feel your butt in the chair. You can probably feel calm in your belly. You probably don't feel like your heart's about to beat out of your chest. And so your body is giving you that signal that safety is present. So share. Right. And so that's why the nervous system work is so important because we wouldn't necessarily think about tapping into those sensations. We would just stay up here in our brain. And how does like unresolved trauma like in the body keep us from being able to connect with others properly? If we're going back to the example that I just gave, if you're the person who is constantly in oversharing mode and you know you're in oversharing mode as a mask of being vulnerable and your heart rate's beating all the time and you're in this flight energy, you're in survival and the other person can pick up that you're in survival. And so they're going to react to that space. There's a term in the SE world called co-regulation. It means that my nervous system is co-regulating with yours, which means if you are in flight, chances are, if I don't know how to access security within myself, my nervous system's probably going to go there too. And if that happens, 
it ruptures connection because we're in survival now. We're not in safety. And you can't actually access connection when you're in a survival response. You can't. It's impossible. Your brain goes offline. The only thing that your body is designed to do in that moment is survive. That's it. Not connect. Right? Survive. For people that are dating too, I the other question I had is like, let's say we're going on dates. We've done the work, right? And we're ready to like dive into a healthy relationship. How do we know and how can we explore whether this other person on the other side of the table is in that place too for us to grow together? I used to be, this used to really piss me off. I used to be so mad when people would say this to me, but then I met my partner and I was like, oh, I get it. And it's that when you know, you'll know. I used to get so mad. I used to be like, fuck that. I used to be so, I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. I've dated all these. I've literally dated everyone from here to California. I've been on over 500 dates. Like, I think that that's garbage. I do not think that that's real. And then I met my partner, Sean, who is the most incredible man, has done so much work on himself. The moment that I met him in person, because we actually dated long distance via, we had like Zoom dates and all those things. The moment that he stepped into my car, I immediately could feel it. My nervous system was like, oh, that's what home is supposed to feel like. Right. And it just feels safe and it feels easy and it feels like home. And there's so many of us that are settling for what we think could potentially be home, could potentially be safe. And I promise you that when you know, you will know and it will hit you like a freight train. And is this different from the feeling of butterflies? Because I think people get confused. And I've heard you talk about this before. And I really want to share this with our audience too. Like the difference between what you're talking about right now and someone that's like, oh my gosh, I have butterflies. I think this is like him. Like what's the difference? (laughs) I had a video that went viral, which is the video you're talking about. Butterflies after a third date are a sign that this person isn't great for you. Your body is telling you that something is unsafe. And what I also want to say to that is that butterflies aren't bad, but you're not meant to have butterflies all the time. I have butterflies with Sean. There are moments when he'll look at me a certain way and I'm like, I have butterflies right now. We are so vulnerable with each other right now. And that gives me butterflies. And then... I access safety and it's gone, right? It's not this overwhelming feeling of always having butterflies when Sean is around. And so many women and men have been conditioned that butterflies mean it's the one. Well, consistent butterflies all the time is actually your nervous system giving you the signal. Remember what we talked about, like fluttering in the stomach is a signal that you're going into flight. Something isn't safe. You need to survive. Your body's constantly scanning for threat. Now, it could be that this person is bad for you, or it also could be that you're rubbing up against a trigger that you need to look into. Regardless, your body is giving you a signal that something needs to be looked at. So butterflies aren't bad. They're normal. It's excitement can be butterflies. But when butterflies are there consistently, when you're with that person and you feel those flutters all the time, your body's trying to tell you something and you need to listen to it. Is there anything else that you could give people in 
looking to find that healthy relationship that if there's anything we missed, what would it be? You know, whether you are in a relationship already, married, or you're out there dating, first start working on yourself. Like just, just commit to it. Commit to growth. Decide you're going to do it. I promise you it's only going to strengthen your marriage and it's only going to help you find the person that you truly want to do life with. Okay. So if you're not doing nervous system work, just do it. It's going to change your life. So I'll say that. The second thing I'll say is that there's so much power in getting unapologetic about what you truly want in your partner. Again, whether you're married or you're single, write out a list. I call it my non-negotiable list. Write out a list of all of the things that you want to feel when you're with that person, all of the things that you want to experience when you're with that person. And if you're in a marriage, share this list with your significant other and say, how can we create this together? This is what I really, this is what I need. This is what I need to feel safe in this marriage. How can we work on this list together? If you're dating, that list needs to be your Bible. If you saw my non-negotiable list, there is, and I'm sure I'll share it at some point, and you saw Sean's non-negotiable list, there is literally not one thing on that list that we that we do not hit. He is the exact person that I wrote out. I did not compromise on anything, not one little thing. And I know so many women who will have almost everything on the list checked off, but like one tiny little thing, like maybe he doesn't have a six pack. I know that sounds ridiculous. Maybe he doesn't have a six pack and you really want a six pack, right? Don't settle for it. There's a dude out there that can be all of that and have a six pack, right? Because if he has a six pack, he probably takes care of himself or whatever, whatever the reason is that you want on there. And therefore you probably work on yourself if you want, if you feel like that's necessary, right? It's not just like, I'm not working on myself. I'm not going to the gym. I'm not taking care of my body. And so, but I still want that guy with a six pack. It's like, I do the work on myself and I expect him to share in that value, right? Amen. Yes. It's a mirror. Remember it's a mirror. So you have to, and I I say this to the women too, when they bring me their non-negotiable list, I said, you better be doing all the thing that's, that that's on that list. Like if you want a man that's committed to growth, you better be investing in yourself. You better be committed to growth. Right. So it's like, you, you have to be unapologetic about what you desire, but you also have to be bold enough to be doing the things that you're asking for, which is really important too. Amen to that. That is so good. So what's coming up for you, Lauren? What's in your near future? I have a book that's coming out. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Yes. I'm so excited about it. It's coming out probably the beginning of next year. We're still setting a, like a publishing date on it, um, but we're halfway through writing it. So it's coming soon. And my podcast is actually getting ready to re-release. So super excited about that. We're getting ready to put the Align Love podcast back out into the world because we took a little bit of a break um, so that the book could get written, but that's coming back. So those are the two things that you can keep your eyes and ears peeled for over the next couple of months. I'm so excited. Is your podcast going to be solo or you're going to bring in guests? What do you think? Yeah. So it's going to be a mixture of solo guests. And then I'm also going to be doing live coaching on the show, which I'm super excited about. That is super exciting and so valuable for everybody to listen to. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm excited. So hopefully everybody can get their hands on it. So how can people connect with you, figure out how maybe they would need a coach in their life to for their relationship or their dating, or they just want to learn more about you? How can they get that information? So you can follow me on Instagram is where I am most active. My handle is at Lauren Zoller. And then if you want to follow me on TikTok, it's at Coach Lauren Zoller. And then you can also just find me on my website, which is laurenzoller.com. Send me a DM. Let me know that you heard me here and we'll take care of you if you're looking to gain deeper support. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights. I feel like I learned so much and I know everybody else feels that way too. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Life Without Secrets. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.